Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Like I was telling you outside, I first ran into that woman you saw me toting out into the woods at a gas station in town. That was the afternoon before you got here. Bear in mind, I'm trying to focus in on the past few days and wait to tell you all the rest when I can show you things as well, but there are some things that I need to explain as we go and it'll make more sense. For instance, how I can tell an outsider, that's what I call them for reasons that will be clearer in a moment, from a normal person. You see, when I bit out Sork's throat, I must have swallowed close to a quarter of his blood in the process. I didn't think about it at the time, but it's the best explanation that I have for what happened next. I went for nearly two months after killing him without reading about any strange murders or having any indication that the creature that I had seen was still out in the world. I was starting to think that it was either truly over and some things would just remain a mystery or, the very least, my ability to intervene had ended with my lead on Sulk. But then, one day, I was walking down a hallway at the hospital when I passed an old man. He appeared to be there visiting someone and was coming out from the downstairs cafeteria as I was about to go in. There was nothing remarkable about him at all and as our eyes met at a distance, he gave me a polite nod and kept moving forward. But within two more steps of him, I was hit with a, a painful wave of nausea. My first thought was that I was just sick and the first symptoms were hitting, but then moments later, I felt fine again and I looked to see the man had moved past me by a little more than the distance that we had been when I first felt sick. I pondered it for a moment and then decided to follow him. He had meandered into the nearby gift shop to peruse the handful of magazines and crossword puzzle books on offer amid the, the stuffed animals and overpriced snacks. I waited for a few seconds and then entered behind him. Carefully to stay out of his line of sight, I edged closer. Again, when I got within about five feet of him, I was struck with nausea. Not nearly as strong this time, but very distinct and unpleasant. I tested it several times, moving back and forth. 
It was as regular and reliable as flipping a switch. Something in Salk's blood had stayed with me and become a, a huge asset in my work. Whenever I got close to one of these things, these outsiders, I feel that same familiar sick feeling. The range varies, but it's definitely grown over time to an average of about 20 feet. The first time is always bad, though I've grown accustomed to it enough that it doesn't incapacitate me anymore. After the first time, I make eye contact with one of them. From then on, it's much weaker, though it never goes away entirely. And the feeling is unique to that particular outsider. Every first encounter with a new one is always strong, though. So, going back to the other day when I encountered the woman, I was picking up some candy in the gas station, debating on whether I wanted to just eat junk food that night or actually get some kind of substantial dinner. And that woman walked past me on the next aisle over. I knew right away what the feeling that I got was and the store was empty enough that it was easy to tell where it was coming from. Of course, I didn't react in any way. I've been doing this for a long time and I learned years ago to be careful you never tip your hand to one of them. Surprise is one of the few advantages that we actually have so it should never be squandered. Instead, I waited and listened. When she went up to the counter to pay for some kind of soft drink and chips, I heard the conversation between her and the cashier. They knew each other, apparently went to church together. That meant that she was local, so she would be easier to find later. As I pretended to look at a bag of chocolate-covered peanuts, I looked out the window to the only other customer car in the parking lot. It was a gold-colored sedan with some kind of back window decal that I couldn't make out from that angle. I waited though, hearing the cashier call the woman Susie as she said goodbye. Putting down the candy, I picked up another brand and I made a sort of show of studying the nutritional information on the back, which was a horror in and of itself. Susie was slow pulling away, but when she finally did, I saw two more things. The window decal was for Mid Creek Community College, which was only 20 miles away from here, and she had an educator tag on her car as well. Smartphones, as disturbing as they can be in some regards, let me tell you, they are wonderful tools for the things that I do. Obviously, any internet research or phone calls that I make in connection with hunting is done with what they are called burner phones, but they've come a long way, haven't they? Before I left the gas station, I had already found her, picture and all, Susan Avaretti. Associate Professor of Economics at Mid Creek Community College. A couple more searches, and I now had her home address. When I went out last night, I went to her house first, but nobody was there. Next, I drove by the college, but there was no sign of her car there either. Then, as I was coming back through town, I saw the gold sedan at the late night diner near the interstate. Slowing down, I could see her inside at a booth, eating some kind of waffle as she sat by herself. That, that is the hardest part, Jason. You see these people, these things, living their public lives, showing their external face. If you're doing it right, they don't even know that you're watching them, and they seem vulnerable, mundane, human even. It is easy to forget that the woman sitting alone in the dingy diner Morrisly gnawing on a waffle late at night, she isn't really a person, not entirely anyway. 
At best, that's only part of the truth. And the other part, well, believe me, if you've ever let yourself forget the other part, you're liable to wind up dead. So you have to close yourself off from feeling sorry for them or seeing mercy as some kind of virtue. That kind of thinking almost got me killed twice early on in all of this. And while it's the hardest lesson to learn, it's also one of the most important. In any case, I parked across the road from the diner in the shadow of a rundown pawn shop that had gone belly up years earlier from the look of it. I watched her eat her food, pay her bill, and get into her car. I followed her and soon it was clear that she was most likely going home based on her route. It was an educated guess but worth the risk to get the jump on her. I turned off to take a different, slower route, making up the time and distance with speed and getting to her house three minutes before she did. From all the signs, she lived alone and I had unscrewed her porch light before she pulled up. As she was reaching into her purse for her house keys, I stepped out, slamming the syringe into her neck and pushing in the mixture it caned all within a couple of seconds. She made a small noise of surprise and flailed around for a couple of seconds, but she was already lost. The cocktail that I give them contains a mixture of sedative and paralytic, and for the most part, they are on the ground within about 10 seconds. The trick is in managing the dosage and judging how much time you have. The right dose is enough to put a, a normal person in a coma or respiratory failure, but an outsider will push through it and come to in around maybe about an hour. As much as they share human frailties, when you catch them by surprise, if you aren't done moving them and dealing with them before the time runs out, you better be ready with another dose or you have a major problem. But with her, everything went smoothly enough. I loaded her into the back of the SUV, brought her back here and I had her in the woods all within 45 minutes. Then I just had to finish her off. Look, I know that sounds cold. It felt very cold to me the first few times I thought about it in those terms. But when you see the things they do, it's not all brutal killings like Salk would do. Many of them are far more clever and insidious. When you face the realities of that kind of evil, your sensibilities start to change quite a bit. Let me tell you... Your willingness to do harm, your tolerance for cruelty, it slowly becomes palatable. At the best and worst of times, it becomes righteous. And that's one of the dangers too. You have to understand these things to kill them, but you have to keep yourself separate too. When I perform a surgery, I want the patient to live very badly, but I can't let myself care about them or worry about them at a personal level. That emotion would get in the way, making me hesitate or make a mistake. It's the same thing with this. You cannot do this out of a sense of revenge, and you can't let yourself become like the thing that you're hunting. So in any case, the best and cleanest way to kill an outsider is to destroy what I call the seed. All of them, when they are alive and for a short while after they are dead, have this small black, well... It looks like a, a pebble usually. It's tucked just beneath the left hippocampus most of the time. The hippocampus, as you may know, is a part of the temporal lobe of the brain and is tied to creating memories as well as complex emotions. I have a theory that that's why the seed is so close by. 
it makes it easier for it to influence the outsider's perceptions and reactions to things. That's also why when the pretense is not needed, such as when I was in Salk's closet or when he had me tied up, they are quick to revert to an almost emotionless default state. But we can talk more about that later. For now, back to the point. If you drill into the left side of the skull, just in front and about halfway up the height of the ear, you'll often hit the seed. It may take three or four tries, but a moderately powerful cordless drill works just fine with some weight applied to pushing it in. And assuming that you have a long enough drill bit, of course. The seed itself is fairly fragile, and when the bit hits it, it will shatter. Then, something remarkable happens. There's a sort of low vibration that you can feel in the air. It reminds me of the sort of rumble hum that you feel in a subway station sometimes. And then, the body is just gone. Or, more accurately, it collapses in on itself like some kind of dying star. But it is too fast to see with the naked eye. I've managed to catch some evidence of it with some special cameras, but for reasons that will be explained, that's a, a difficult process in and of itself. But when it goes, it all goes. The body, the clothing that it was wearing, and everything else that is inorganic and on it or inside of it. I've taken to leaving the drill in when I hit the seed as it removes the seed for me to dispose of the bloody tool later. But even the blood from the drilling, if it is still physically connected to the body, will go away. That's why I make sure to drill through a folded up towel. If I keep pressure on and do it quickly enough, I can finish with no trace of the person ever being there at all. Not one bit. That being said, my grandfather stopped. His face looked concerned and angry as he looked out the window. We were in the living room now and... As I turned to look outside, I saw a pickup truck flying up the road to the house. It was hard to see at that distance and speed, but it looked like several people were in the bed of the truck, all of them wearing hoodies and masks. No, my grandfather was standing up, his face hard. Apparently someone at the sheriff's office is part of the house and figured out who you were talking about when you said that a woman was here last night. I was standing myself now, looking between the road and my grandfather, feeling more and more bewildered. The house? What? My grandfather shook his head. The house of the claw. It's a cult. They're human, but very deadly. There's no time to explain, okay? We're running or killing. Your call. I could barely breathe. Uh, running? He nodded, reaching under the chair that he had been sitting on to pull out a semi-automatic pistol. Fair enough. Stay close to me and don't stop unless I say so. We're going for my truck. Now go. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We headed for the kitchen, my grandfather gesturing for me to keep low. Flinging open the exterior door, he glanced outside and then beckoned for me to follow. We weren't very far from his SUV, but we still had to round the corner of the house and I could hear the pickup sliding to a halt in the front yard now. We moved to the corner of the house and stopped, my grandfather turning to whisper to me, Here's the key fob. When I say go, you do three things. First, you unlock the doors with the fob. Second, you count to two. Third, you run to the passenger side and get in and down. Got it? I nodded, my hands trembling as I took the fob from him. Good. Now go. I unlocked the car, wincing internally at the loud honk it gave as the locks disengaged. But then I realized that no one was going to pay attention to it if my grandfather was shooting at them. It occurred to me that I wasn't actually counting, so I bolted after what felt like two seconds and made it around to the passenger side. I felt a moment of sharp panic as my hand fumbled at the door latch before getting the door open. Once inside, I tried to ball into the floorboard as much as possible. I had just enough time to take in the smells of the SUV, a mixture of my grandfather, some kind of oil and a metallic scent, before he was opening the driver's door and getting in. Without saying anything, he punched the ignition button and threw the SUV into gear. I heard two more gunshots and something make a a loud pinging on the outside of the car, but we kept going, and as I eased up in the seat, I saw that we were clear of the yard and headed down the road. Looking back, I saw three of the four men clustered around a fourth that was on the ground, but still moving. My grandfather looked over at me. Are you hurt? I shook my head. "Uh, No, I'm fine. What about you? What happened? Nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think I got a couple of pellets of buckshot in my leg, but it was from a ricochet. Nothing major. He gave me a tight smile. As for what happened... Well, I shot two of them, one in the arm and one in the leg. Can't risk killing them at your parents' house or anywhere that they can be linked back to us. What? Why? They already know who we are. He took a turn down a sandy dirt road and gave a shrug. They do, but they're likely the only ones that do. Turning to glance behind my seat, he nodded to himself. Look, while we talk, I need you to do a couple of things, okay? Grab the box of stuff behind your seat. You should also see a small blue bag behind mine. Get both of them up here with you if you can. I did as he asked, pulling a medium-sized cardboard box up to find it contained six glass jars with sealable lids. The jars were all full of nails and ball bearings. I thought about asking questions, but I knew that there was no time. He'd tell me what I needed to know, and I found the blue bag where he said it would be. 
It contained a variety of items and as I looked through them, he told me what to use. There were little rolls of taped up face towels in the bag and following his instructions, I unwrapped three of them to find small glass vials with rubber stoppers in the middle. The vials contained some kind of fluid but he told me to be careful not to open the vials. Instead, I was to slide them gently into the middle of the nails and bearings in three of the jars. After I did so, he told me to take a specific plastic bottle from the blue bag and squirt it on the metal in the jar until the three prepped jars were two-thirds full of the liquid too. Then, I had to screw the sealed lids back on. When I was done, he gave me a grin. Congratulations, you've just made nail bombs. Now, be very careful with them, okay? Do not drop one, and try not to trip them over. We'll need them in a few minutes. His cautions made me feel queasy. Why will we need them? Because you think they're going to track us down? He nodded. Oh yeah, they better. That's why I didn't try to kill any of them. These cultists, they are very dangerous, but sometimes they lose their stomach when they see a buddy get killed. Weekend warrior types, I guess, but we need them to follow us. He looked at the odometer. We're about 10 miles away now, but we need to be at least 10 more. Anyway, back to what I was explaining earlier. This cult, the House of the Claw, I didn't know that they existed at first. Looking back on it, there were signs of their influence, I guess. That little boy that Sulk picked up and killed, for instance, what was he doing out that late? And I had learned later that he lived with his parents over 50 miles from where Sulk snatched him. What are the odds of that happening? I can't prove it, but I suspect the house dropped him back there and had tipped Sulk off as to where to look. His expression was growing angrier as he talked. That's what they do. They help the outsiders, facilitate their plans, worship them. Not every outsider has any cultists around them. In fact, only about maybe one in three or four do, as best as I can tell anyway. But where the house does exist, they operate like some terrorist cells. There's usually four or five working together and they don't know the identity of anyone else in the cult outside of their cell. Of course, those higher up in the chain know who are in the cells, so they can send directives down as needed. But if a cell member gets caught, they can't give up their bosses or details about the larger organization. It's clever in some ways, but it has its flaws too. He looked over at me, his face stony. For instance, these men that are after us, they have no way of telling people outside of their group who we are unless they get contacted by their bosses. That does happen periodically, but not often. So as long as the entire cell dies, our identities are safe. I felt my skin go cold. Even if we kill them, how will we know that we got them all? He nodded. It's always a risk, I know, but the most likely source of them finding out is a house member in the sheriff's office. If that person isn't among this group, we know that there's likely another person. If they are, odds are good that this is all of them, as they tend to do things as a full unit most of the time. There are no sure answers though. We just have to do the best that we can. Be smarter and better than them, I guess. He drove on for a couple of minutes in silence, and then he spoke again. Put your seatbelt on if you would. After I clicked it on, he continued. You good with all this? I know it's a lot, and I hate to put you at risk especially having not signed up for it and all. 
Believe me, I know that this is hard to adjust to, but this is as serious as it gets. He turned, studying me for a moment. Life or death, good and evil even. These are bad people that do terrible things. And they will torture and murder us if we don't get them first. I met his eyes. I... I believe you. I get it. I'm freaked out, but I get it, and... I'm with you. Good, because I think that this is a good spot. Hold on to those bombs. It's going to get bumpy. With that, he yanked the wheel to the left, then back to the right, sending us down the sandy shoulder and into a stand of bushes. I held the box containing the jars in a death grip, my muscles tensing at every clink of glass. When we came to a stop, he smiled at me. Good job. Okay, let's go. Get out and come around so that I can show you something on this side, and then you'll come back and grab the three jars that you prepped, alright? I did as he asked, and when I reached his side of the SUV, I saw that he had a, a long blade hunting knife in his hand. He pointed it at the tire as he talked. Now, as you may have figured out, we're trying to make it look like we wrecked. We took this sandy road because even if they're idiots, they should be able to track us on it. But just because they aren't all brilliant doesn't mean that you should underestimate the least of them. And some of them are very capable. Either way, we need a visible reason why we would have wrecked here. He took the knife and slammed it into the crevice between the two tire treads. When he pulled it free, I could immediately hear the angry hiss of air escaping. My grandfather tapped the outer wall of the tire. It's easier to flatten a tire on the side. The rubber is weaker, but it's also very obvious that it was cut, so when you need it to look like a blowout instead of a cut tire, you have to hide the cut in the treads. If they saw a cut tire, they might suspect an ambush. Now, hopefully, they'll just think that we just had bad luck. He patted my shoulder and laughed. Lots of teachable moments today, I guess. Now, go and get those bombs. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. 
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. He guessed we had about three minutes left before they should be on us. In that time, he grabbed a, a scoped rifle out of the back of the SUV and got me into a position across the road with my three nail bombs and some final advice. The way that these things work is that they have to hit something hard enough that the vial inside breaks. When its contents mix with what's in the outer part of the jar, you get an explosion filled with metal and glass shrapnel. So what that means is this. First, you throw it against something hard or high enough that it will break on landing. The jars at this point should weigh about 7 or 8 pounds, so if they land on asphalt from more than 10 feet up, they should break. Throwing it hard at the road or the truck will work too, but try not to directly hit a person or you run the risk of it bouncing off and not breaking. And above all else, do not throw it where it goes off close to you, or you will be caught in the shrapnel too. He had me positioned in an elevated spot behind some bushes about 20 feet from the road. You're far enough away here and in a good position, and hopefully they'll be focused on the wrecked SUV for a bit. But wait until they start to get out or the pickup will protect them a good bit. Take your time and aim, and when your third one is thrown, you slowly work your way further into the woods, alright? Do not wait for me and keep going straight back from the road. I'll find you when I'm done with them. He seemed to be debating something internally almost. And after a moment, he pulled out the semi-automatic and handed it to me. Have you fired one of these before? I nodded. Uh, a couple of times in college. I know how to shoot and this, this is the safety, right? He looked grave. Yes, keep it off but keep your finger away from the trigger unless you mean to fire. There's one in the chamber and it'll keep feeding them unless it jams, which it really shouldn't. You have 13 shots. Do not lock your arms. Do not pull the trigger. Squeeze it. Hold it tightly when you fire and remember it will recoil. For both the gun and the grenades, accuracy is always better than speed. Slow is fast and fast is slow. And do not fire this at all unless you have no alternative. My goal is that they never see you at all. Okay? I could see by his expression that he was scared, and I realized it was fear for me. I felt a, a wave of love for him and guilt at how I'd treated him. I'll be okay. I'll play it safe and do what you told me. He gave me a half smile and reached forward to pat the side of my head affectionately. Gotta go now. I'll see you in a few minutes. With the ease and agility of someone half his age, my grandfather moved down the embankment and back across the road before disappearing into the woods on the other side. Less than a minute later, I saw a cloud of dust as the cultist truck made its way toward us. As they approached, I felt anxiety gripping my stomach and I fought it down. I was worried that I'd make a mistake, but I still had to try. I would do what he told me and trust that it would work out. As they approached the wreck, they slowed to a crawl and then stopped. 
from my vantage. I could see one of the men was stretched out in the bed and I guessed that that was the one that he had shot in the leg. His companion and the passenger in the cab, they got out to investigate the SUV. I hesitated, wanting the driver out as well, but he wasn't budging. It was time to do it. The first jar hit the top of the truck, and while the explosion wasn't as loud as I had expected, the carnage was impressive. One of the cultists was still high enough up the shoulder that a wave of shrapnel slammed into the back of his head, shooting up a bloody mist and sending him sprawling forward instantly. The driver was looking around terrified but seemed unharmed, and I couldn't see the third person any longer as he had dove down after the first bomb went off. Not sure of my next best target, I ultimately aimed one for the bed of the truck. My aim was off but lucky. It hit the driver's side window and shattered the glass, detonating as it did so. I heard the driver scream, but he wasn't dead from it. Instead, he was frantically putting the truck into drive and trying to get away. I felt a shrill of panic, but then I heard my grandfather's rifle. One crack, and I saw the cultist who had drove for cover near the SUV lose half his skull as the truck pulled away. A second crack and the one that I had knocked down with the first bomb flinched as the bullet went into his torso. Fifty yards down the road, I saw my grandfather step out onto the road and line up another shot. The truck surged past me now and any idea of using the third bomb seemed fruitless. I was worried that he was going to get away, but then a third crack came. I saw the back windshield break and... Suddenly, the truck veered from the road as though swept aside by some invisible giant's hand. It crashed into a small culvert on the left side of the road, and what I could see of the driver's head through the broken side window was just a complete ruined mess. I was about to stand up and say something to my grandfather when I heard another gunshot. The man in the back of the bed had either been flung out or crawled out as soon as the truck came to a halt. He was down on his belly in the culvert, some kind of revolver in his hand. The gunshot had come from him, aimed at my grandfather. I glanced back at him and saw that he seemed okay and was taking cover down the opposite shoulder. Still, I felt anger welling up inside of me. These people trying to kill us, helping whatever these things were that were hurting people. I mean, what the hell? How could that be allowed to go on? And now he was shooting at my grandpa? I stood up, throwing the remaining bomb at him. My aim was too good that time, and it pelted him in the shoulder, bouncing off without detonating. I kept moving towards him, shifting the pistol to my dominant hand and taking aim. The first shot went wide, so did the next two, and by then, he had gotten over being struck and figured out where the new shots were coming from. I saw him turning and aiming towards me and forced myself to slow down, I lined up a shot on his chest and squeezed the trigger. He fired a second before me, but it went wide. Mine did not, and I saw him jerk as the shot took him in the shoulder close to where the jar had struck. He dropped the gun with a shriek, but I just kept firing, emptying the clip into him. I looked around to see my grandfather approaching. He looked at the bullet-riddled body and then at me. Looks like you got him. You okay? I nodded silently, trying to keep my hands from shaking in front of him. My grandfather moved past to check the driver before coming back to me. Looks like they're all dead. 
I, I don't know if any of them are tied to the sheriff's office or not, but we may get lucky and be able to find that out. Believe it or not, these guys carry their wallets on them most of the time when they do this stuff. I guess they're worried about getting a ticket or something. He gave me a serious smile and squeezed my shoulder. I know that what we did wasn't easy and you're still in shock now. That's okay, but I need you with me. Can you change out our flat tire for the spare while I check the bodies? Can you get rid of the last bomb and get our shell casings? I smiled weakly back and said that I could. Twenty minutes later, we were back on the road and headed away from the carnage. My grandfather had found the wallets on three of the four men, and one of those men had an ID card identifying him as a dispatcher for the sheriff's office. It was a small comfort, and it wasn't a guarantee that the House of the Claw wouldn't still be after us, but it was something. I asked him where we were going, and he hesitated. Well, it's time that I take you to where I do my real work. I need to tell you more, and there are things that you need to see. He paused as though picking his next words carefully. Some of it is going to be hard to hear and to look at. I think we may be past you not believing me or trusting me, and that's great. But it also makes it harder when I have to show you things that you aren't going to want to believe. I felt fear creeping back in past the staticky shell of shock and adrenaline. What do you mean? Just that there's more to all of this and that it's, it's a lot worse than just some random monsters occasionally killing people for fun. As though that wasn't bad enough. I'm not trying to spook you, just trying to prepare you. For now, I guess just try to rest some, okay? We've got a ways to go. What troubled me more than his words was the way that he said them and the haunted look in his eyes as he studied the road. For all that had happened, he had never really seemed rattled or afraid, aside from worrying about me, I guess. But whatever he was thinking about now, I could tell that he was shaken. I don't know my grandfather well, but I know him much better now than I did just a day ago, and whatever is able to truly worry or scare that man, well... It terrifies me. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.